steps into it. Pass is caught. Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! The Unbelievable Podcast. I am BJ Rydell, back here with my guy, Drew Maholt, and today we are talking about your Minnesota Vikings taking on the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, so we will spend this show previewing that matchup, uh, identifying some one-on-ones and uh, going through the whole skinny that we typically do on our Thursday shows. Uh, we apologize, we were not here on Tuesday to recap the Vikings-Lions game. Uh, if you watched that game, and I assume you did, uh, there wasn't a whole lot to recap anyways. So mm-hmm. uh, the Vikings get the W, 20-7. That's really all that uh, all that matters there. Uh, Drew's been in California all week. He is not very tan, though, as you can see on <laughs> <laughs> on the YouTube page. Um, so that's why we uh, missed the show. But we will rec- uh, return to our regular scheduled programming uh, next week. So Tuesday, Thursday, um, that is the game plan moving forward. So today... Uh, we'll do a Thursday question real quick to break the ice, uh, get into the nitty-gritty with Phillip Rivers and the Chargers and how they match up with your Vikings, and then we'll finish up with our picks and a gambling lock, which is really not a lock at this point. No. So that's the uh, game plan for today. Uh, let's get it started here with a Thursday question, and I think I've got a good one today. Um, who is the most attractive female cartoon character? Wow, wow. I tested this one out on my on my, huh. my buddy's group chat first, and we had a pretty funny discussion about it. So I figured this might be a good one. Hmm. You watch cartoons when you're younger, right? Yeah. I'm trying to think. Man, I, I, the first thing you, that came to my mind, and like when you said cartoons, was like, uh, like Family Guy, American yeah, yeah. Dad, uh, those type of shows. Um, You know, I mean, you can go there. That like that counts as a cartoon. It's just an adult cartoon. Yeah, still fair game. I think Lois Griffin is probably on the top of some people's lists. That was my first thought. Um, I, I, the thing is, when you when you say cartoons, you think like you know, like a um, Jimmy Neutron or like yeah, yeah, that's right. Like a fairly or uh, was it Fairly Odd Parents or something like that. So, um, but I'm trying to think of like. I don't know. I I don't remember any of the characters. Like I didn't watch one show particularly closely. Uh, when I was, I mean, when I was like, you know, really young, the one I watched like was addicted to a SpongeBob. But those are all like not people. So I don't. Sandy's I also I not like not exactly a smoke either. You know, <laughs> a squirrel. She's a squirrel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess I'm gonna go with Lois for now. Just right, because I've, I've got a couple. My, of that's good kind ones. of a default. Uh, yeah, I mean you can't go wrong with Lois Griffin though. I feel like if we asked this, if we extended this to the public, which as always we do, feel free to leave your answer. I think I'll, I'll make it more specific. It's when Peter goes uh, back in time to like, there's an episode where he goes back in time <laughs> yeah, yeah, and does yeah, yeah. like disco dancing and stuff, and he first meets her uh, okay. at the pool. I think at some country club or something, and he first meets her, and she jumps, she dives out the diving board into the pool, and and uh, yeah, that's. I guess that's the one I'm thinking about in particular. And then he has to go back in time like four more times because he keeps messing up the saving his marriage part. So. Right. Okay. Um, all right. I think I've got a good one here. And like I said, I, I extended this one to my group chat and my buddies had some fun with this as well. So uh, the number one answer for my friends, this was not my personal answer, but this is the one that they gave. Kim Possible. Okay. Okay. I'm personally like, I mean, I, I – would make an exception for Kim Possible, but generally I'm not a redhead person. That's just it's just like that wouldn't even come on my radar. That show, like I'm, I don't you know if I ever watched it even. That might have been like like a year or two past your like cartoon age. I think. I mean, I've heard of it, right? And I know the I, the general uh, premise of the show, but I never really. Right. My answer to this, and I think that a lot of people can resonate, is Lola Bunny from Space Jam. Oh, okay, okay, she yeah. Does, she does, like, the don't ever call me doll thing and flips yeah. her ears back. Yeah, that was uh, okay. 
that was my that was my answer. And then uh, the <laughs> other the other ones that came up were Blossom from the Powerpuff Girls. Nope, no, I don't know. You never watched the Powerpuff Girls? Okay, uh, that was the, that was the other big namer that came up. But for me, uh, I think Lola Bunny takes the cake. Um, keeping in mind, of course, that we are grading these as we were children, and uh, these are cartoons, so uh, it, it's it, it puts your mind in a weird spot. Like it I'd, does. That was kind of the goal here. I thought it would make and the look- idea. Well, the idea too is just to ask a question that like really gets you kind of. It, it's supposed to be uncomfortable and right. make you. You know, I feel like if I asked, little, it definitely threw me off. I feel like if I asked you that a couple of years ago, you would have been a lot more uncomfortable with that question. But you've been working with me for long enough now where there's, it's not. Yeah, fair. It's pretty standard. Um, so as always, yeah, make sure to, you know, if you want to submit your answers to the Thursday question, either through our Twitter feed at unbelievable underscore MN or on the Daily Norseman page. I think that'd be pretty hilarious if you put it on Daily Norseman, actually. I think Christopher Gates would get a kick out of that. So, <laughs> all right, folks, let's uh, let's jump into some Minnesota Vikings football here. So, Vikings are heading to Los Angeles this week to play at a stadium name, which is hilarious. And I'm going to look this up real quick because I think it was Eric Thompson that. Well, it's where up. the it's where the Galaxy soccer team plays, right? Yeah, isn't that? Yeah, I think it is. Um, it seats like 14 people or something. Yeah, it's 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 got a funny name. It's like. Uh, Eric Thompson brought this up early this week um, that it's it's so it's Dignity Health Sports Park and then there's a it's got a field name too, um, and so it's it's kind of a ridiculous place. Obviously, the Chargers have one of the worst home field advantages in the NFL. Uh, the worst, yeah. Is it the worst or do the? I mean, the Rams are right there with them. Well, they got they get fans there though. I mean, it's they got more than twenty thousand fans at their games. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't get it. Like I remember the um, Chargers Steelers Sunday night game this year, and like it was on NBC on prime time. I think it was when Duck Hodges was either got the start or he came in for Mason Rudolph in that game for some reason. Uh, but heck, I, Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth for the entire game and the NBC broadcast kept showing the crowd, and it was so much you know black and yellow and terrible towels and everything in LA right. and. Uh, I would imagine, you know, I know the Vikings fans have traveled pretty well, uh, especially to those southern climates like Arizona and, um, and you know, you even talk about like Oakland in the past. So, right, I, I do think the it'll be. A, I mean, and again, it's not it's not going to feel like a home game for the Vikings. I'm sure it's obviously it's completely different atmosphere and everything. But the, in terms of the fan ratio, I bet it's really strong in favor of the Vikings. Yeah, that's uh, that's probably a safe bet here. Um, I can't find the name of the field, but. Uh, well, that was good content. Yeah, that was uh, <laughs> that was great content. Um, the point that I was trying to make is that they have, and the point that I guess the point that Eric made earlier this week is that they have the the stadium name at field name, and it's like a really long, drawn out title, basically just to involve as many corporate sponsors as you possibly can uh, to make as much money off of a the title of a stadium, which no one goes to. So, and part of the reason, by the way. Um, I considered going out to L.A. to go to this game, uh, and part of the reason is because the tickets there are still really expensive. It's like three hundred bucks to go, or like two hundred fifty bucks to go to a game there when no one goes. Like, I just want to know who's paying for these tickets to make to like to allow them to have that type of rate. But yeah. um, as far as the football game itself goes, uh, the Chargers have a fun team, and they are. Fun for a couple of reasons. The number one reason, I think, is because they play the most entertaining brand of football ever in that they're good enough to compete with literally anyone in the NFL, but they never seem to win down the stretch. Phillip Rivers is widely regarded as one of the best quarterbacks of all time who simply does not get it done in the two-minute drill. Whether it's by his own doing, his defense killing him after he you know gets the game timing, timing score, whatever it may be, the Chargers always seem to, and it has been coined at this point, Charger at the end of the game. And yeah. they've been doing that this year probably more than ever. Yeah, it, it, they're, they remind me – this is maybe a, not quite perfect analogy, but they remind me of the 2010 Vikings where um, you know, the Vikings in 2009, obviously they had the really successful run of the playoffs, kind of lost in, in Phillip Rivers fashion a little bit um, with the Saints game there. And then came back in 2010 and had really high expectations. Obviously, the roster was loaded with talent, and 
then they just seemed to not i mean the first two games i remember of 2010 they lost by like four and five points so um the 2010 team found a way to lose games you know and it's kind of those games that they ended up finding a way to win in 2009 and i think Chargers are doing something similar where it's not like the roster is worse or the roster has changed too much they had the same head coach um I think they've had a couple of key injuries, like Derwin James has been out for uh, a bunch of games, but that team is largely the same. Um, and there's playmakers all over on offense. Uh, there's obviously key playmakers on defense. The roster's great. They just haven't been able to win games, and it, they're always trailing in that last five minutes, two minutes, whatever the case is, and uh, some sort of turnover or mistake is made, and they lose. And that's just the script for the Chargers season and for, I don't know, pro- at least half of their games this year. Yeah, I mean, this was... Um... This game was flexed to 3 o'clock uh, on Sunday. It was initially supposed to be the Sunday night game. And I think looking at the schedule heading into the season, a lot of people consider this game to be a bit of a toss-up. You know, one of those games where the Vikings were playing against a good team on the road. They had the potential to lose. Um, but I-, I feel like there's a lot of people that, you know, marked this one down as a loss. And based off of their record so far this year, the way that they have played in close ball games this is sort of changed to yeah. a must win slash expected win. Um, but on the other side of the, on the, on the other side of that coin, they did, you know, they trounced green Bay at their home stadium right. a few weeks ago. And it wasn't close at, at all at any point in that game. So it's, this team is clearly capable of kind of dominating anyone. They obviously, this is Jacksonville, but they went into Jacksonville and, and it was never close at all either. in that one 45 to 10. So it, there's clearly like, you know, the, um, they have that like home run potential. They can. I think they have like that lightning in the bottle where they can play really with anybody in the NFL. But so often they play down to competition, um, or they just if it's turnovers, if it's Philip Rivers kind of losing what his, you know, losing his fastball a little bit. I never he really never had a fastball, but uh, if he's losing the fastball a little bit, whatever it is, uh, they just have too many games in their schedule where they're playing down to competition and kind of giving the game away at the end. Yeah, this is a team that has lost to the Lions, lost to the Broncos, lost to the Raiders, you know, mm-hmm. lost to That's the Broncos, Broncos again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but they've also beaten the Packers. Yeah, and they're playing teams close, too. Like, I mean, Tennessee's looking really good right now, lost by three. Chicago, they they won by one, actually, at Soldier Field, which is actually – I mean, as Vikings fans, we can attest to how tough it is to win at Soldier Field. Right. Um, first game of the year, they beat Indy, lost to Houston by just seven. Yep. Uh, so lost to Pittsburgh by seven in that weird Sunday night game, lost to Kansas City by seven only. So they're playing teams tough again. It's just all about uh, the way they lose in the end. It's It comes down to it. Seriously, every time, it's like a. It's like deja vu every single week. Phillip Rivers gets the ball down by usually a touchdown deficit. So he's got to drive all the way down the field. And then for like the first like set of downs, it kind of looks promising where he completes a long pass or something, uh, and then they give it away at some point. So I don't. And and again, you look at that schedule. So many of those tight games. This team could very easily be. Um, I mean, it's you could compare them to the Seahawks in that they're just losing all the close games, and Seattle's winning all those close games. Yeah, uh, the Chargers had a almost a month straight. Uh, lost to the Raiders twenty six twenty four. Lost to the Chiefs twenty four seventeen. Lost the Broncos 23-20, and then they blew out the Jaguars last week. But that's three consecutive games where the ball was in Phillip Rivers' hands with a chance to win the game late, uh, and they ultimately weren't able to get it done. If they win those three games, we're looking at an 8-5 and five Chargers team. Yep. You know? So, you can say the same thing about the Tennessee game. You can yep. say the same thing about uh, the Houston game early on, the Detroit game. Steelers, uh, week too. Week two. So it, it's – I mean, that's it's the case for every – seemingly every single week for the chargers and when it is a blowout most of the time it's it, they're winning the game yeah so i i don't think uh, it's a classic trap game right i mean mm-hmm. chargers they're you know five and eight they're pretty much out of the playoff picture at this point um don't have a ton to play for vikings are in there at you know they're expected to win this game they really kind of need to at this point now with the wild card race the way it's setting up because of the rams are starting to kind of pick back up uh the bears are not going away quite yet so this, in a, in a lot of ways, this is a must-win. Obviously, not nearly as important as next week against Green Bay, but uh, the game carries a lot of weight. And if they do lose, then you're looking at a real scenario where they do end up missing the playoffs. Yep, this is uh, this is definitely a dangerous game. So let's take a look uh, at this roster here. 
it starts with Philip Rivers, uh, your quarterback. I believe he is now 38 years old. He just uh, had a birthday last week uh, on game day, and that's probably had something to do with that big 45-point output that the Chargers put up. Uh, Philly Cheese is one of my personal favorites. I've loved him since uh, since 2004 when he was drafted. Now, before we get into this, I think you predicted Philip Rivers to be the MVP this year, didn't you? I probably did, yeah. And your bold predictions? Yeah. Which it's, it is, it's bold predictions, so. Yeah, um, and I'm, I'm still okay with that because uh, I did not expect to see the drop-off in terms of kind of his ability. I thought that he would be a kind of the type of guy that would be more Breeze than Eli Manning, I guess. Uh, he's definitely more Eli Manning than Drew Brees. Um, the comment you made earlier about losing a bit on his fastball seems accurate. Uh, whatever it is, he's simply not very accurate, as accurate as he used to be downfield. There's so many times where he throws, he just launches it. <laughs> he just launches it from the pocket and he overshoots his guy. Who, by the way, he's got two of the tallest receivers and yeah, a very Keenan tall. Allen big... and Mike Williams are both studs and they're both huge and they both have large catch radiuses. So yeah. it's like, if you're missing those guys or not giving them the chance, then I mean, yeah, you just, you're just you're just you're just flat out inaccurate. It's it's time to start thinking about the future for sure for the Chargers at the quarterback position. I think that Rivers probably has a couple more years in the NFL based off of just the fact that he has had a Hall of Fame caliber career. Like he's going to get votes. I, I I don't think he's going to be a Hall of Famer. He doesn't have a Super Bowl, et cetera, et cetera. But he has put up the statistics for a long period of time. So I think that they, that he will have a shot to play into his 40s. Now, will he do that successfully? I would argue probably not uh, at this point based off what I've seen, but I do think that he still has the capacity to be very dangerous, especially against the suspect secondary, which the Vikings have. So the secondary will be matching up as, as you just mentioned, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, two of the most talented wide receivers in the NFL. Uh, Two guys that are, you know, when we look at wide receiver pairings, I feel like both of these guys tend to get overlooked a little bit. Part of that is because they don't necessarily put up these gigantic numbers a la Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, for example. Mm-hmm. And they don't have the kind of outspoken or swagger or whatever, you know, like Stefan Diggs, for example. They're just kind of quiet guys that go about their business. But Keenan Allen is widely regarded as arguably the best route runner in the league. I think that most Vikings fans have probably had an argument at some Probably a point. top five in there. Yeah, I think that Vikings fans have probably had an argument at some point about, you know, Stephon Diggs versus Keenan Allen, who runs the better routes. And then Mike Williams is, you know, a former top 10 pick coming out of Clemson, one of the most talented players uh, at the receiver position that that I have personally ever watched come out. I was very, very high on him, and I remain high on him, despite the fact that his numbers after a couple of years in the league are not, uh, let's let's just say that they're not top 10 grade wide receiver numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh and part of that is because Keenan Allen is there, and he does take up a lot of those targets. But uh, I think a lot of people probably expected a little bit have expected a little bit more from Mike Williams. He's had some injury sure. issues whatsoever. Uh, he isn't the fastest guy in the world, but that catch radius, as you noted earlier, is ridiculous. So one on one, he is a matchup nightmare, I think. And because they have Keenan Allen, they are able to get Mike Williams one on one quite a bit, and so he will be very dangerous and a yeah. guy to watch in this game. When you look at Xavier Rhodes and Trey Waynes on the outside, those are the two guys that are going to be matching up with these wide receivers. I think that this is one of the few times every year where I can, you know, very confidently say that the Vikings are at a significant disadvantage with their secondary against this lineup of receivers. Now you throw in Hunter Henry coming up the middle at tight end, and basically he is a glorified wide receiver that uh, he can block a little bit. I mean, he's no George Kittle, Doug Gottlieb. (laughs) <laughs> but he uh, he is a solid receiving threat and the, you know a solid all all purpose tight end. But you've got these three weapons here that are going to be extremely hard to cover, and you have to imagine that these matchups just as you know one on one. If you look across the board, you're probably going to get Rhodes on Allen, which you know based off the rotation that Mike Zimmer employed last week. I don't know if that's going to continue into this week or not. That remains to be seen. But Mike Hughes has a height disadvantage against both of these guys. You can say the same thing about Mackenzie Alexander. Positioning is going to be very important, though, so it's tough to say how the Vikings are going to use their cornerback group this week against these receivers because of, you know, in theory, it makes sense. Xavier Rhodes matches up physically with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Trey Waynes, you can say the same thing, you know, tall, lengthy corners that can run with these kind of track star receivers. Uh, 
So the Vikings have the Vikings do have that going for them in that if Rhodes has in fact lost a step in terms of his overall speed, this is not the fastest group of receivers. I would say that the matchup for Rhodes here is probably Mike Williams, just because historically uh, Rhodes has done a good job pressing these big wide receivers, the line of scrimmage, knocking them off their route, and then being physical with them. However, Vikings have in, have employed more zone coverage this year, and that has kind of gotten him a little bit out of his you know his niche area. So it'll be interesting to see how the Vikings want to match up with these wide receivers because ultimately you're dealing with two you're dealing with one of the strongest wide receiving duos in terms of just straight up talent. It doesn't get much more talented than these two guys. Period. You're right. Yeah, I mean you're right, and it's the fact that they're so similar too in terms of they're not like I wouldn't call them like burners, but right. they're I think they're and Mike Williams where he dominates is like the contested catch balls or so it right. seems Keenan Allen wins by dominating in the slot running routes on your undersized corners and getting open that way uh and then one thing one guy we need to talk about too uh, so it's very possible based on where they're at now all three of these guys that they could all get a thousand yards they could have three 1,000 yard receivers between Allen Mike Williams and Austin Eckler at running back which is hilarious Eckler has 100, 830 yards with three games left uh, and then Mike Williams has 840. Allen has 947. So he should, all those, of course, are barring an injury. So, right. um, and Eckler's interesting because he'll get like, I mean, he'll run out in the flat where Kendricks would probably be there and, you know, catch those passes in the flat quite a bit. But he lines up a lot outside. And 90% of the time when he lines up outside, he runs a slant route over the middle. And right. teams seemingly in the, in the games I've watched the Chargers, they just don't figure it out. And he catches that for 15 yards every time. So I I don't know who's going to go out there. I mean, if if I guess Kendricks would be my first thought, but but then who uh, covers Hunter Henry? You probably have to put Anthony right. Barr or J. Ron yeah. Curse on Hunter Henry. Yeah, exactly. And, and I'm sure Zim will have you know he'll go single high safety look and all that stuff. It won't necessarily be man all the time, but uh, it's I think we need to also keep in mind that Eckler's a, a dangerous receiving threat as well. He had the 80. Four yard touchdown last week against Jacksonville a, on a screen. So he had a 100 100 game last week, actually. Yeah, he did. He did. So, and he didn't do it on very many touches. It was like 10 touches. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's got the game breaking ability, and he might, I, he's, I, to me, he's clearly the better running back between he and Gordon on that team. So that's an interesting uh, take. It's, he definitely I, made it easy to forget about Melvin Gordon during his hold. He's more efficient for sure, and he did not fumble in the ball. I, I don't know, but that's a discussion for a different time. Basically, this team is loaded with weapons, and if they're used properly and Rivers doesn't have a crap game. Uh, they can put up points on certainly this Viking secondary. Yeah, so you look at this group here, this this uh, the skill position group as a whole. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler, Hunter Henry. That is your 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 key mm-hmm. skill position players that you're going to see, and you combine that with Philip Rivers calling the shots. Is it fair to say at this point that Philip Rivers is the weakest link of this offense, and he kind of determines whether or is. not this team is going to win? I think it is. And is there an, a more immobile quarterback in the football right now than Philip Rivers? Man- other than Eli Manning, the other two, no, the I, 2004 I, I, crew? Eli's more mobile than Philip Rivers. You think so? So is Tom Brady. Oh, yeah. I mean, he. I'm not denying that Philip Rivers isn't a statue I would love to see a foot race, though. Tom Brady versus Eli Manning versus Philip Rivers versus, I think I'm trying to think of anybody else that would be potentially ben a Roethlisberger in a walking boot. Big Ben, I think, honestly, Big Ben's not that fast. He's just big and, like, yeah. Uh, savvy in the pocket, so he, he he seems and makes gives the appearance that he's fast or quick, but he's definitely not. Right, that 2004 class is kind of starting to show their age for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's talk about the running back group a little bit. You mentioned Eckler already. Uh, let's talk about the way that they use those two running backs. Uh, for some reason, I have watched in probably an unfortunate amount of Chargers games this year, <laughs> so I feel qualified to talk about the way that uh, Anthony Lynn likes to employ. His weapon. Well, th- this this offensive group they did they fired Ken, Ken Wisenhunt earlier this year. The offense has actually been it's been relatively the same as you might see uh, from you know when you change coordinators in the middle of the year. But they have picked up a little bit in recent weeks, and the way this dynamic between Gordon and Eckler, I think, really works for this group because you've got Gordon who's going to be your between the tackles guy. He also can run to the outside. He certainly has that ability. But he works really well in cahoots with Eckler because, first of all, 
you could put both these guys on the field at the exact same time. As you noted, you can have Eckler split out wide or into the slot and have him want to run a quick route and get open and one-on-one against a linebacker while you have your, you know, your defense engaged on Melvin Gordon coming up the middle. And that opens up, you know, different one-on-one matchups on the outside, whether that's Henry as well as you're going to get see a lot of single coverage. It's very, very difficult to, to double this entire offense because of the way yeah. that they can use these weapons. So basically, as long as Phillip Rivers is able to get them the ball, this, this offense is as dangerous as anyone, period. Mm-hmm. That's, and, the, that's the problem. And it's not all on – I mean, the thing about Phillip Rivers is like when he has time to throw, I think he's dynamite, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but if he's rushed in the slightest sense, I know this applies to every single quarterback, right? Right. <laughs> uh, but I feel like f- with him in particular, it applies more because, A, he just doesn't move um, very well. And he doesn't move quickly either. So, like, if Hunter gets a great jump off the ball or Griffin and makes one quick spin move and beats the tackle, um, I mean, you're going to get to Phillip Rivers there. And then he's not a guy like Russell Wilson that's going to step up or spin out of the pocket. Uh, so that's uh, the other issue as well is that's probably holding this team back is a, I think rivers is just starting to show his age and as you know, as he gets older, his he's more inaccurate and doesn't have the, the fastball or I guess doesn't have, you know, his fastball is going from 84 miles an hour to 81. And then you have the, just the lack of protection and the lack of mobility in the pocket. So if you had a couple of great pass rushers like the Vikings do, that's where they can really kind of take over from that perspective. So, Really, if Hunter and Griffin have a great game, I think the Vikings have a good chance to keep this offense in check. But if those guys are neutralized, then I do think Rivers has a chance to pick up or pick apart the secondary. So part of the problem, this is a problem for a lot of teams across the league, uh, but part of the problem uh, for as to why Rivers is having so much trouble is because this offensive line is just not that good, straight up. Uh, Russell Okun, uh, the big money free agent that signed there at left tackle, uh, he's been on and off the field. And he is a solid left tackle. He's probably a little bit overpaid based off of performance so far. Then you've got Sam Tevi or Tevi or Tevi. I don't, I don't know this guy, the right tackle. I don't know a thing about him. And that probably, you know, should say enough that uh, he's part of the problem. You've also got Michael Schofield at the, at the right guard position. He was a backup in Denver. He's now starting. You've got Scott Quisenberry at the center position. That's a backup caliber player as well. Then you've got Dan Feeney, who both of us really liked coming out of, what was it, Indiana, I want to say. Uh, he's a hell of a prospect, but he there's not a whole lot of left guard can do when the bookends are not playing great. The center is by no means an asset, and the right guard is, you know, replacement level. So they also have a ton of injuries, too. So, for example, if one of the tackles was to get injured, their swing tackle, Trey Pipkins, is a rookie, very little experience. And they're back up into your guy. They have one, just one. That's it. And that's Ryan Groy, who last played for San Francisco. Not a lot of time in the NFL. My point being here is this offensive line is suspect as well. Uh, the Vikings defensive line certainly has the ability to get to the quarterback here. And part of that is because Rivers doesn't step up in the pocket well, which has kind of been the issue for the Vikings this year. You know, collapsing the edges has been no problem. But it's been the guys in the interior, you know, whether it's Jaleel mm-hmm. Johnson, Shamar Stephan, Linville Joseph, whoever it may be in the interior pass rusher, pass rushing group, have not been able to get much of a push. But you might not really need it as much as you would against other quarterbacks because of the way Rivers stands in the pocket. He is a statue in there. He mm-hmm. does not move well. He basically tries to get through that first read, and if he misses there, if he doesn't, if the first guy isn't open, which for what it's worth, uh, the first guy has been open a lot against the Vikings this year. Uh, they're in real trouble because there simply is not much Rivers can do in order to buy time. He just does not do that does yeah. that well. He never really has, to be honest. I mean, I respect his his willingness to just stand there and then try and find the other the other option, you know, or right. the second read in the progression. So, I mean, in some cases that's good because your second read is kind of. I mean, if the second read comes open and quickly, then obviously it pays off. But um, the fact that he's unable to move very well. Obviously, he's a huge disadvantage, and I do think Griffin and Hunter have a chance to, you know, have another big day. I think Hunter was kind of due for the three sacks he had last week. Not right. all of them necessarily earned um, in terms of, like, right. 
That's you know, Blau, Blau could have gotten rid of the ball, obviously, on, on a couple of those a lot better. But um, the point being is those guys are still ranking very highly in the entire NFL in terms of pressure rate, um, sack rate, et cetera. And I don't see any reason why they can't be a force against the Chargers Sunday. Part of me believes that Tyrod Taylor might actually be the better option for this offense with so much playmaking ability and guys that can get open. They just need a little bit more time. Part of me thinks that switching to Tyrod Taylor might actually be in the Chargers' best interest. Uh, they were talking about it a couple weeks ago. Uh, Rivers kind of shut that down with a nice performance last week. But something interesting to keep an eye on, uh, Rivers reportedly wants to play in Tennessee. Certainly doesn't seem like that's going to happen anymore. So this is an interesting situation to kind of monitor moving forward uh, as an NFL fan and see what Rivers does next. This might be kind of the last hurrah. And this could be the last chance that Vikings fans get to see him play against their team. So, uh, you know, that that offense as a whole, it's dangerous. Uh, it's a tough group. It's certainly a more uh, dangerous unit than the one that the Vikings faced last week against Detroit. Uh, but as a whole, I think this one really comes down to, can you stop Keenan Allen and Mike Williams? Uh, not stop even. Can you slow them down? And if you can do that, uh, that really changes the game here. It makes it a lot more difficult uh, you know, for the for the Charger offense to get going, if you're able to somewhat neutralize those two guys, uh, Mike Williams tends to be someone that gets targets in big moments, specifically in the red zone uh, when you're you know third and long and you need a big first down. Uh, like you said earlier, he's a big contested catch guy. Look for him in those types of situations. But Keenan Allen is going to be that go-to presence. Uh, he's the most dangerous player on this offense, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. But uh, as you've noted multiple times here, do not sleep on Austin Eckler because he can quite literally do it all. Uh, and he might be the reason why Melvin Gordon is out in Los Angeles starting next year. So from there, let's jump into this defense. And really, this defense has some nice playmakers as well. Uh, as a whole, this this roster, it's kind of like Indianapolis where they're just sort of they're playing. They're not playing as well as you think they would based off of a lot of the big names that they have. Now, there are some holes on this defense, and there are some guys that are aging uh, to the point where they're not as relevant as they used to be. But you look at some of these the major names, the guys that – and it really starts with the pass rush. They're going to run a 3-4 defensive scheme. Uh, that is what defensive coordinator Gus Bradley employs, if you remember him from Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's very aggressive, and he's going he's gonna to rush the passer with a combination of Joey Bosa on the outside, the former number three overall pick. And then Melvin Ingram, another former first-round pick. Uh, both those guys will come off the line of scrimmage. Melvin Ingram tends to move um, around the formation a little bit more. He is more of a linebacker, whereas Bosa is more of a defensive end. But those two guys are very dangerous. And then you've got Brandon Meebane, who made his mm-hmm. name in Seattle. Those He kind of eats up space in the middle and kind of paves the way for those two guys on the outside to be dangerous. But if you get a situation where Bosa is one-on-one and Ingram is one-on-one, it's really, it, honestly, it's as dangerous as a pass rushing unit as the one that the Vikings employ with Hunter and Griffin. Right. You got. I mean, that's that's exactly right. Obviously, I mean, I think Nick Bosa is getting a ton of the attention in terms of the right. Bosa brothers for in San Francisco this year and leading that defense. But Joey Bosa is still an absolute stud. Uh, probably a mismatch for. I think they is, does he move around a little bit? I think he does move out around from side to side. Um, but regardless, I would well, you imagine. You can kind of do that with that 3-4 look. You know, yeah. it's, it's easier to move guys around when you've only, you know, you're only, you know, in a base formation, you're only having three guys on sure. the line of scrimmage. It's a little bit easier to move those guys around. Yeah, I mean, that's true. But either way, I do think that's a mismatch against Reef or, um, and probably O'Neal too, even though O'Neal's been a little bit better than we, we thought overall. Uh, and then, you know, you got Casey Hayward, uh, corner, who is, I think, you know, recently he's still been really good in terms of his coverage numbers allowed. Um, I don't know how if it's the, that's carried over as much in 2019. I know the past couple of years before this season he was still um, hanging in with kind of the elite number, uh, elite cover corners in the NFL. Derwin James obviously a stud um, at safety. Uh, Desmond King is still getting a lot of run at corner. Uh, I think the Vikings can probably have their way with him. But see, he's the Iowa product, right? Yeah, he's dangerous as kind of a – he's a bit of a gambler. A, yeah, he, yeah, okay. And he's he was a return man too, right? Mm-hmm. That's um, where he's – Not that he's, that applies to this conversation. He's an all-pro yeah. as a returner. He is – this is important because if you look at his pro football reference page, you might see all-pro at the top and kind of mistake the fact that – Yeah, okay. <laughs> by no, 
I don't don't get me wrong, he's still a very good defensive back, but he has made his name in the NFL as a return guy. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um but yeah, those are cuts kind of who the Vikings are going to see in terms of their base defense. You're going to see I think the big name really Derwin James in the secondary, Casey sure. Hayward and and Desmond King. I mean, there's definitely worse starting cornerback duos mm-hmm. in football than that. Uh, I would say that's probably upper echelon in terms of probably upper half of the league. Um and then, like you mentioned, uh, on the defensive line, Meebane, Ingram, and Bosa are kind of the big three names there that will get after Cousins and um, probably have their way a few times with the Vikings offensive line. Absolutely. I think that you know you, you mentioned him a couple times. Derwin James is really the most dangerous player uh, probably on this entire defense. You can make a case for Joey Bosa as well. But Derwin James is kind of the Harrison Smith of this defense. He is literally all over the place. You might see him line up heads up on a, on a wide receiver. That's kind of the more rare thing that probably the rarer formation alignment that he does uh, he typically is going to play you know a hard safety role where he's going to be floating deep uh, think think Ed Reed in terms of you know the way that he's in cover like lines up in coverage floating sideline to sideline watching the eyes of the quarterback he's as good as anyone in the NFL when healthy at doing that uh, in terms of creating turnovers uh, he can you know he can hit you hard and create a, you know force a fumble He's got he's got great natural instincts. He was one of my favorite players that I ever, you know, quote scouted uh, coming out of college, out of Florida State. And he he's just he's simply as dangerous as anyone in the NFL because he can come up and make a tackle for loss, or you know he can jump in front of a wide receiver, you know, time their ride up, excuse me, time their route up perfectly and make a big play. So he is the playmaker on the back end. I don't know how healthy he is at this point. Uh, he is playing, so he's healthy enough yeah. to, to he be on the, first, the field. missed like, 10 games or something like that, and now he's back. Yeah. So, but like you said, I mean, there are a few safeties that can really do, you know, be uh, play at it like a Pro Bowl level, you know, in the box and kind of right. as a center fielder, and he can do both. So uh, that's obviously the – I think, you know, watching him is going to be kind of the, the top priority for Cousins probably looking into the secondaries. Where is he at? Uh, who's his assignment? And uh, making sure that you're not – staring down receivers because he'll take advantage of that right finding a way to look off derwin james if that is possible uh, that is a difference maker for sure uh, the other guy to note that you mentioned already casey hayward the former green bay packer he was primarily a nickel corner when he was in green bay uh, he has extended to being an outside corner as well as nickel corner um, a couple years ago was it two years ago he was one of the best corners in the league mm-hmm. in terms of creating turnovers i think that he is not the same guy he was a couple years ago uh, he's certainly still dangerous. He will make you pay if you throw into his coverage and, you know, and, you know, throw a bad ball, uh, for example. Uh, but so I would keep an eye on Hayward as well. He's he can run heads up with anyone in the NFL. He is considered to be their number one corner. He is their shutdown guy. I would expect to see Stephon Diggs get the get uh, to get him for most of this game. So that will be an interesting matchup to watch. You know, you got a technical guy that is outstanding route runner and you know one of the best in the league at getting open against the cornerback that really is one of the best mirrors or at least in the past has been one of the best mirrors in the NFL at the cornerback position so um, that is basically what the def- what their defensive back group is going to look like where they might be a little bit vulnerable and this might be an opportunity for Dalvin Cook in particular is that linebacker group you've got Thomas Davis who is over the hill he's still in the NFL he's still capable but he is by no means the guy that he was when he was with the Carolina Panthers for all those years. And then you've got Denzel Perryman, who uh, I, re- I remember this specifically because I, I am a big mock draftable guy. He is not the most athletic guy in the world. He's an outstanding guy with his instincts. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Kentrell Brothers in terms of his si- his stature combined with his athleticism does not necessarily match the NFL prototype, I suppose. Uh, but he has outstanding instincts to get to the ball, but he's not always able to get there. Like, his brain wants him to get there. His body doesn't always get him there. So keep an eye on Perryman and, T- and Thomas Davis specifically. Those are the two bigger names in that mm-hmm. linebacker group. Uh, Yuchenna Nwasu is their third uh, third linebacker there. Uh, he is not a big name by any means. Honestly, I if you, know, if you asked me to name as many Chargers defensive players as I could, he would not have came to mind. <laughs> So um, he's a solid player, but he is not, you know, th- this this linebacking group is really still a product of how well can Thomas Davis cover at his, you know, NFL advanced age uh, and how 
you know, can De- can Denzel Perryman get to the hole, you know, as quick as his instincts would like. So this could be a big game for Dalvin Cook. You know, generally speaking, when I see a linebacking group that does not have possess a ton of athleticism, that to me is a signal that uh, Dalvin Cook could be in store for a big game if he's able to get through that initial uh, rush. And, you know, with that 3-4 look, you're going to get a bunch of different packages uh, from Gus Bradley. Def, you know, a ton of different alignments, ton of different rotations. They're going to line guys up all over the place. You know, if something's not working, it's easy enough to move them to the other side of the field. Mm-hmm. Something, something to keep in mind uh, while you're watching this game as well. So, as a whole, biggest playmakers here, Joey Bosa, of course, and then you've got Derwin James in the back. And I think those are the two primary guys that if you're going to take anyone out of this game from you know, an offensive perspective, as much as you can take a defensive player out of a game, those are the two guys to keep an eye on. Uh, Derwin James can really hurt you, and Joey Bosa, if he heats up, yeah. uh, he's as dangerous as a pass rusher as you will see in the NFL. So now, after discussing all of that, knowing what we do, you know, the Vikings heading to you know, play on the road. This is a quote. I think, you know, as much of a must-win game as you can find, most December games typically are. Uh, can the Vikings get this one done? Are they? Do you think? Are you confident the Vikings can win this game on the road? I'm not confident, but I'm going to pick them, and I'm not confident simply because of how, like, their history with Zimmer um, on the road outside. But I'll pick the Vikings to win by seven to ten. I think they're just the better team, um, right. and uh, I'm, I'm banking on Rivers to kind of give it away. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that one as well. Um, I will also be taking uh, the Vikings this week. To me, this one really comes down to which quarterback makes less mistakes. And you know, I, I, I really, I don't, I don't know if I've stressed this enough, but Kirk Cousins has been beyond impressive in terms of you know ball control, you know, not turning the ball over. I feel like every mistake mm-hmm. that he's made has been a product of someone else making a mistake for him. Like if you look at the box score, you're going to see an interception every now and then, but it really hasn't been his fault since what week four. Uh, so, well, really, in terms of interceptions, the the back corner one against Green Bay. Since then, he hasn't thrown an interception that has been a result of his poor throw. Right. So, I trust, and this is this is going to be a weird statement, uh, probably especially coming from me, but I trust Kirk Cousins to make less mistakes than Philip Rivers. Which, yeah, well, think, it, 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 that now it makes total sense given the way yeah. Rivers is playing. But maybe if you had said that a couple years ago. Even at the beginning uh, of this year, I feel like most Vikings year. fans yeah, would have... Week two of this year, that would have been a, a blasphemous thing. If I, if, I, if I told you at the beginning of this year that you could have Phillip Rivers or Kirk Cousins, I think most Vikings fans would have taken Phillip Rivers at the beginning of this oh, year. Oh, yeah. And quite a bit oh, has yeah. obviously changed since then. Uh, we've seen the you know the age come hit uh, Rivers in the mouth a little bit. Maybe his you know, 94 kids are starting to get on his nerves and he's not... you know quite the guy he used to be but uh my point being here is I, I trust Kirk Cousins to get this one done he really has been a much better quarterback this year uh, and you've seen that on the play his play on the field the way that he's you know operated with the media has been a lot better too uh, he's just been it's just been a lot cleaner season for Kirk Cousins as a whole so to me that's the difference in this one plenty of talent all around um you know both both rosters are housing multiple pro bowlers probably a couple all pros as well so to me, this one comes down to the quarterback position. I'll take Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. I expect this one to be probably by a touchdown, something like that. I I, I think this one will be a you know a hell of a lot more exciting than the, the game that we watched last week against yeah. Detroit, though. So, uh, with that being said, let's jump into our picks for the week. Starting off here with the Thursday night game that, as of this recording, begins in about two hours. Here, uh, the New York Jets travel to the Baltimore Ravens. You know. I feel like we've done this a couple times throughout the year where there's games where we just sort of write off as a win no matter what. And this game has that energy. You know, I think I think everyone listening Certainly to this does. show uh, was is picking Baltimore in this game. But the Jets are so weird. Like, they show up once in a while and they play teams really tough. And you're just, right. But yeah. this is not – to me, this is not the game where they show up. I, I don't see no. a, I don't see any possibility. Well, They've they've looked like they've had probably three or four games this year where they've looked really really good against I mean it's in like a weak team but they've looked like a team that can compete with somebody like Baltimore but um, on the other hand they've also had some like horrendous games right uh, they've lost to two teams zero and seven or worse which is saying a lot no uh, one that doesn't happen in the NFL it has not happened 
okay. uh, before this season. But uh, I'm taking Baltimore because I think – I mean, I'm taking Baltimore at home against anybody in the NFL right now. I, I am too. I'm taking Baltimore pretty much any game. Uh, I, I, yeah, that's true. Until someone shows me a way to guard uh, Lamar Jackson you know, consistently – I, it's a wrap. I mean, he's the most dangerous player in the NFL. He's definitely the MVP at this point yep. in the season. So, Baltimore for both of us. Next one here, you've got New England and Cincinnati. and Another one. <laughs> another one that seems pretty obvious. Uh, New England also apparently is videotaping Cincinnati throughout the week. So, if they needed an edge, they certainly got one. Although, yeah. I don't think that they really needed it's one. It's a bad look that they got caught doing this for the Bengals game versus, like, Kansas City or something. Right. But. Yeah. I think both of us are probably going uh, New England uh, pretty definitively here. Yes, yes. All right, moving on to the next one. Tampa Bay at Detroit. This one could be fun. It would be a hell of a lot more fun if Matthew Stafford was on the yeah, field. Yep, uh, I'm taking Tampa Bay just because of that. I mean, David Blau looked horrendous against Minnesota, and um, Tampa Bay is like – Jameis is just so weird. Like, Did you see he, the statistic this week about him, how he has the potential to lead the NFL in passing yards, touchdown passes, and interceptions? He's, I, I believe he's I second think. in all three categories right now. It's because – well, he's keeping him in games and giving away games at the same time, which is because, hilarious. Because like in the early in the game, he'll throw a couple picks, turn it over a couple times, and give the opposition the lead, right? And then they're kind of forced to throw, which then he gets back gets back into it because the defense is playing cushy coverage, and he's able to find you know he's got two of the best receivers in the NFL, Godwin and Evans. Well, Evans is now out for the year, but um, you know, and then by that logic, he's bringing him back in and to win the game or make it really close and then you kind of think well Jameis is doing this on his own he's got all these passing yards he threw for 456 last week so it's he's he's not very good but he's just benefiting from his mistakes and benefiting from the fact that Bruce Arians is just letting it rip it all the time yeah Arians does call a hell of an offense too I'm with I'm with you on this one Tampa Bay by a landslide for me uh next one probably the biggest game of the week from a Vikings fan perspective that does not include the Vikings in the actual game. Chicago heads to Green Bay this week. Uh, for a lot of Vikings fans, I think that it's fair to argue that this is the last true opportunity to get that second loss uh, that the Packers need to have in order for the Vikings to truly <laughs> contend for the NFC North division. At the same time, Chicago, if they win this game, I mean, they're right back in it. I mean, they are back. They're back in it now. All of a sudden, week seventeen starts to get a little bit, you know, a little bit more nerve wracking. I really don't want week seventeen to come down to it, but at the same time, I mean, if Chicago is able to get this victory on the road at Lambeau Field, I mean, this really opens up a lot of possibilities for the Vikings. Right. Well, if the Vikings do their job, it won't matter at week seventeen what happens. Right. You know, if right. they keep winning, if they win the games they're supposed to. But. Um, it would be very nice if Chicago would win this game. That's my but mindset can they? here. But can they? Um, they? I think they can. I think they can. Okay, Green will Bay they? Looked, Green Bay looked very uh, against mediocre Washington. against Washington. They were vulnerable yes. for sure. They were yes. one Darius Geis touch away from losing yes. that football game. And if Mitch Trubisky keeps using his legs more than his – well, he's not going to use it more than his arm. But uh, if he keeps making that a, a viable threat to the defense, I think the Bears offense can be competent enough to – uh, win games, but I'm taking Green Bay at home. If this was at Soldier Field, I would take the Bears. Okay, I'm going to pull on your heartstrings a little bit, and I'm going to pick Chicago here. Uh, and part of the reason is you've already noted this, but they played like, you know, Green Bay played awful against Washington last week. Now, you could probably make the same case for the Vikings last week against the Lions, but to me, the Vikings really dominated that the Lions game. The score just didn't necessarily reflect that. Whereas Green Bay played awful and they truly had a chance to lose to a Washington team, which is, you know, very much inferior. Yeah. And I think you yeah. make a really good point that if Trubisky is able to use his legs, you know, as good as Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith are as pass rushers, I mean, they have the potential to overrun that pass rush and allow Trubisky an open field. So, right, which he took a few times against Dallas, which I think was right. perhaps that was the, the difference, difference in, that in that game. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's – Worth noting, too, that the Bears, um, like, I mean, yeah, they've won three straight, but they've been against the Giants, the Lions, and the Cowboys at home, who the Cowboys, I think we know, are kind of frauds by this point. Right. So, and then their their win before that was also against the Lions. Uh, so, it's not like they're beating dominant teams this year. Um, you know, outside of the Minnesota win, their wins are ugly. So, uh, this would be a very much of a, a kind of a, an outlier win if you look at their schedule. But I mean, if the offense can put up 
31 against Dallas, maybe they can put up 20-something against Green Bay, and that defense can shut down Aaron Rodgers enough to get that win. It's always tough to beat a team twice, too. Keep that in mind. This is an NFC North matchup. Anything can really happen. I'll play the odds on this one. I'll take Chicago, and we'll split that one 50-50. Next one here, uh, this is a battle between, I think, my favorite AFC team and your favorite AFC team. we got Mm -hmm. Houston heading to Tennessee this week. Uh, Tennessee looking very, very dangerous. Ryan Tannehill, I mean, I think the argument right now is to franchise him just because you want to see him do it for one more year, but... Uh, he's making all. He's putting a lot of money in his pocket right now. The way that he's playing with that offense, and my God, is Derrick Henry not one of the best running backs in the NFL right now? I mean, this is this. He's AFC had 100 yards so- and a touchdown in like five straight games or something like that. Yeah, this AFC South could come down to the wire. We may look back at this one yeah. being kind of a, a different. Well, see, player. the thing is, these two teams play again in two weeks uh, to end the season, which, uh, looking at it now, looks like it very well could be one of those Sunday night uh, end of the season flex games. But which would be awesome. I'm taking Tennessee. I've been rolling with them all year, and uh, Tannehill is playing better than um, you could say honestly that the past three or four weeks, Tannehill is the best quarterback in football, which is absolutely bananas to say, but it's, it's it, it really the numbers say that it's true. Yeah, uh, I'm taking Houston. Uh, Deshaun Watson remains my uh, my personal favorite player in the NFL. That's not on the Vikings, so uh, that one's a little bit of a kind of a. A, uh, a heart a heart answer like a man I'm not thinking with my brain here I'm thinking more emotional brain, you know, emotional answer yeah exactly uh, but I do think that Houston is the more talented overall team I think that at this point you can make a certain argument the way with that Tannehill is playing that it's it's becoming more and more difficult to say that but Houston has the players I think it, it's just can you stop Ryan Tannehill and a couple of weeks ago, that's a laughable question. Right now, I mean, we'll see. I think this one also comes down to wire, but I'm going to take the better team here despite the fact that the Texans are playing on the road this week. Uh, leading into the next one here, we got another showdown uh, between interdivision opponents. Denver heads to Kansas City. Not as much of a fun one. Denver obviously has been out of it for a couple of weeks here, and I think the Vikings kind of uh, put the nail in the coffin uh, with that comeback win over Brandon yeah. Allen, but Drew Locke, man, I mean, he seems like that he was can, wild last week. That he was seems wild. like he can play. So, who you got in this one? Uh, I got Kansas City, um, but I will say, like, based on how the way Locke played last week, this might be a little bit closer than uh, I would have said, you know, a few days ago. Yeah, Kansas City certainly looks vulnerable. I am still going to take Kansas City. That being said. Patrick Mahomes does not look like himself. There's something going on with his hand. Apparently it's not broken, but I feel like this is going to be one of those things where after the season is over, we're going to hear something about Patrick Mahomes playing through an injury. Uh, They look vulnerable right now. I just don't think that Denver has enough to overcome it, so I'll go Kansas City as well. Next one here, we got Miami at the New York Giants. This is kind of the dumpster fire of the weekend. Uh, It looks like Devontae Parker might be out, which is disappointing for my fantasy team. Yeah, I know. Uh, He's in concussion protocol. He has a chance to play. However, the New York Giants will, it appears, will be with Eli Manning, and he will look to get back to 500 at home this week. Who you got? I have the Giants. Um, I, I, just, I don't want any part of this game. <laughs> I don't want any part of it either. I'll take Miami uh, simply so that we can, uh, we can split this one, and I'll have a chance to climb back into our matchup, although I do think that you have essentially wrapped up um, our overall uh, contest here. Uh, Next one here, we got an NFC East matchup. Philadelphia, who (laughs) nearly lost the Giants on Monday Night Football earlier this week. Washington, uh, who just lost Darius Geis for the rest of the year once again, and it's now his third significant injury. Uh, Really disappointing for him, especially given if you've had an opportunity to catch his personality at all. Uh, He's a lot of fun, and he's the kind of guy that you wish the best for, and it seems like he just keeps getting the raw end of the stick. But I do think that... DC can get it has a chance to win this game against Philadelphia. I think they're what they're down to one receiver right now. I think it's just JJ Arthago Whiteside. Yeah, Greg Ward. I think he'll be fine. I think, but yeah, it's it's pretty funny. And Josh McCown, right? That's his name. That back up there. Yeah. Uh, it might be back in because he was the quarterback that played uh, receiver for the Lions a few years back. Yeah. Um, when they were low on receivers, so he he might be getting some snaps at receiver. <laughs> but uh, I'll be I'll take the Redskins in this game. Okay. Uh, I, I, that's more of just kind of like I'm going to mix up the picks and throw an upset in there. And it, Philly's kind of on the slide. 
Um, it's a fair upset pick. So for sure. yeah, I think I'll go with the Redskins, even though they have the passing attack of like a high school JV team. Yeah, that's the truth. Uh, Bill Callahan does not like to throw the football. Uh, this is going to be an Adrian Peterson game to me, uh, and to me that means it's a loss. So I'm going <laughs> to take Philadelphia. Fair enough. One. All right, next one on the docket. Uh, this one would have been a lot more fun a couple weeks ago. It does kind of look like it has blowout potential now. Uh, Seattle heads to Carolina. Kyle Allen in a free fall. Seattle, you know, coming off of probably one of their worst weeks overall this season. I think this is, you know, an opportunity for them to uh, obviously to make a, you know, to come yeah. back off that loss. And it seems like it's sort of written in stone. Uh, does Seattle get it done this week? Seattle does get it done this week. Um, I just wanted to note, so as a Christian McCaffrey fantasy owner, Yes. I have I've been following the Panthers enough to know that Kyle Allen is for sure not the answer in Carolina. <laughs> and he is, I think, the worst starting quarterback in football right now. He's that bad. I think that's definitely uh, fair to say. Because I saw this stat on Twitter today. I, I wish I could credit who it was, but I, I, I'm, I care more about the content than I do who tweeted it. But um, there are 40 receivers. No, there are 32 receivers who have had 40 or more targets 10 yards downfield this year. So 32 receivers that have had 40 targets at 10 or more yards downfield. And Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore are 29th and 32nd. So fourth to last and last, right? Yeah. And it's because Kyle Allen can't throw at all. It's a good indicator. So many times this year, a promising drive has been stalled for my for McCaffrey and my fantasy product. Now, he's been obviously a stud in fantasy, so I'm getting greedy here. But Allen and his inaccuracy has cost me even more points. So I'm hoping that they just just feed McCaffrey the entire time. It's not even worth passing the ball. Yeah, I certainly agree with that. Uh, Seattle for both of us. Uh, moving on to uh, this one. This is Jacksonville at, at Oakland. A couple weeks ago, it seemed like Oakland was – we gave Oakland a lot of credit the last couple weeks. Uh, they've been in a bit of a free fall the last, what, two weeks now? Uh, they've come back down to earth. Yeah. Both of these teams are struggling right now. Yeah, that's true. Uh, both teams are getting blown out weekly at this point. Oakland has lost the last few games by like 30 points each. Jacksonville just got beat by 35 against San Diego, or I guess Los Angeles Chargers. I'll pick the Raiders because they're at home, but I both teams, they really needed to play each other this week for sure. Yeah, uh, I'm going to take Oakland in this one. Uh, to me, they're just the more complete team right now. Jacksonville is just – they're a little bit more – of a dumpster fire. So uh, give me Oakland as well. Yeah, look at, I'm looking at Oakland's last three games. They've lost all of them. 34 to three to the Jets, 40 to nine to the Chiefs, 42 to 21 to Tennessee. Yeah, not great. So uh, moving on to the next one here, we got Cleveland at Arizona. I feel like I know where you're going with this pick. I think the Browns have played themselves out of playoff contention, essentially. And Kyler Murray, can he get this one done at home against the... See, I don't know where I'm going with this one, and we're at the pick. I don't even know. I had the Cardinals <laughs> marked down, but they've That's lost like six straight. Um, yeah, I'll go with Arizona. That's Why not? Let's get Kenyon Drake a win this year. Have you seen that stat? Yeah. He's he's has not won a game this year because of the, the trade yep. from Miami to Arizona. That's great. And Josh Gordon, up until last week, had not lost a game. That's right. Interesting stuff. Um, I'm going Cleveland in this one. I just think they're the better overall team, but I've been proven wrong by that statement multiple times this season. So uh, I'm expecting to get that one wrong, but uh, we'll split on that one. Cleveland for me, Arizona for Drew. Uh, Next one here, Los Angeles. The Rams, that is. They head to Dallas. Uh, Must-win game for the Rams. I think Vikings fans have have a rooting interest in this one. Uh, if If Dallas can stop the Rams right here and now, it would make a much more comfortable walk to the playoffs. I am picking the Rams because they seem have, they seem to have found it. I just Dallas just seems like everything about their team is getting worse and worse with each week. Yeah. Uh, so there's no way I can trust them right now. It's hard to trust Dallas. That being said, they are playing at home. So I'm going to pick Dallas, although I want it noted on the record here that I do not think that Dallas is the better team. I'm just picking Dallas in this situation. So, I mean, that's the thing, though. Like, being the better team, is that about talent? Or is that about, like, because the Steelers have, like, a bottom five roster, active roster right now. It's a couple of it's a couple of things. Uh, talent being the, the biggest kind of indicator of, you know, what team is better. But coaching is obviously a major factor, especially when it swings one way. 
Yep. And Dallas might have the worst head coach in football. They might. They very much might. The Rams, they have a top five roster, and they have their six and seven, and probably going to be six and eight. <laughs> and the Rams, on the other hand, have you know arguably a top five ish coach. I mean, he's McVay has taken a little bit of heat this year based on his performance, and you know they they have a loaded roster as well. Yeah, but, it just sucks that they had to pay Jared Goff the worst contract in quarterback NFL quarterback history. But it certainly seems that way. Uh, next one here home stretch Atlanta against San Francisco does San Francisco hold on to that number one seed this week they do they do Atlanta is just not they're not going into is it Levi Stadium now yeah. they're not going into Levi Stadium and winning that game yeah I don't see it either I'm scared for Julio Jones this week and he is you know a big piece of my fantasy roster dangerous Richard Sherman garbage is out time, though. though garbage time though garbage time no Richard Sherman I mean you know we'll see but I've got San Francisco as well uh, Buffalo at Pittsburgh. I mean, this is a battle of two teams that <laughs> the rosters are not loaded with talent, but they keep winning games. It's hard to pick this one for sure. Uh, Mike Tomlin might be coach of the year. Uh, certainly deserves to be in the conference. It's either. I mean, it's it's him, Sean Payton, or Kyle Shanahan at this point. Basically, in my eyes, uh, you can make a case for you know a couple other guys as well. But Pittsburgh has been hilarious. How yeah. are you go? How are you deciding this Sunday night football game? Uh, first of all, the the total points is thirty five and a half, which is so tiny in this game. Which it's fair though, because I mean, I don't see a lot of points being scored in this game either. But I'm thinking Pittsburgh. They're at home, and uh, I just trust Mike Tomlin more, and they seem to just know how to win these games. Yeah. Uh, which is it's weird because their quarterback is going to be Doug Hodges. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's more of a I don't trust the Bills yet type of thing versus. Uh, and that's fair. Yeah, versus, you know, the Steelers are legit, but even though they might be. Oddly enough, this is this to me is a statement victory if Buffalo can get a win here. Just because Pittsburgh just keeps winning. I mean, that defense, man, that that Pittsburgh Steelers defense is starting to look like a Pittsburgh Steelers defense. They've got a lot yeah. of great playmakers. TJ Watt gets after it. Really I mean, Minka Fitzpatrick is one of the most dominant defensive backs in the NFL. And I he's really like he gets a he gets some pub. But he's probably yeah, not getting that enough. That trade credit. has, I mean, that's been really nice for Pittsburgh. I didn't think it would matter because I thought both teams were going to be top ten, you know, top ten in the draft order next year, and then Pittsburgh comes in and wins all these games that they really shouldn't have. And all <laughs> but, of a sudden, they are, yeah. you know, they have the inside track to get a wild card spot. Interesting enough. I mean, we could be seeing both of these teams playing on wild card weekend. So, the final one here: Monday Night Football looked a lot better on paper at the beginning of the season. Indianapolis at the New Orleans Saints seems like the culture in a bit of a free fall new orleans mm-hmm. starting to pick it up a little bit yeah saints are going to win this game um i don't really see yeah i don't really see a scenario where they don't win this game they're at home um they're kind of they kind of need it too in terms of the playoff picture uh they want to get back into that first round by category so um i think they win this game yep i'm going with new orleans as well which brings us to the end of our picks for the week drew has a commanding 13 game lead on me this season i'm 120 87 and one drew is 133 74 and one i went 11 and five last week he went 12 and four so even when i have a good week he still finds a way to edge me out it's been rough for me this week so finishing up the show here with our gambling locks of the week and by gambling lock i mean fade this pick for sure because we are not do the opposite do the opposite um, I have the Los Angeles Rams minus two at Dallas. Uh, I think, again, I think the Rams are, they're finding a groove now. They're putting up points somewhat easily on offense. Um, and uh, Dallas is just not good. Yep. And so I think, I think the Rams will go in there and relatively easily beat Dallas. And then Dallas will fall to six and eight. Uh, but 10, they'll still have the division lead because Philly is going to lose to Washington, according to my picks. <laughs> All right, I'm going to do a true gambler pick here. Uh, I'm going to gamble on the ultimate gamble, which is Jameis Winston. I'm going to say Tampa Bay minus three and a half is my lock for the week. So, wow. Yeah, That's they're, playing bold. De- they're playing Detroit. Detroit can't score points. Tampa Bay, if they do anything right at all, they definitely score points. So that leads me to you know give me three and a half points. That seems like a that seems like a lock for me. Although I have been wrong in the past, and I've been wrong very frequently in the past. So. Those are our picks. Tampa Bay, minus three and a half for me. Los Angeles Rams, minus two for Drew. And that will round out our week 15 slate. Any final comments that you'd like to make before we close out the show? Uh, 
St. John's in the Final Four, the D3 playoffs, on ESPN3 Saturday. Check it out. They're probably, I mean, I don't know if they're going to, I don't even know. I don't know anything about the D3 teams that are left or anything, but they play Wisconsin Whitewater, uh, who has been a D3 powerhouse forever. If they win that game, they're going to play a team in the championship that um, has been relatively new to the D3 landscape. So things are looking up in, uh, in college, Bill. Jackson Erdman and Ben Barch are two NFL prospects on that team. Ben Barch at left tackle will probably get drafted, uh, but in the NFL, he's going to the senior bowl. Interesting enough. Yeah, that uh, it's it's weird when you get when that happens, but it's definitely fun too, especially when you have a rooting interest. Uh, for me, I just want to make a couple notes real quick. Number one, earlier this year I said never to pay for a wild ticket this season, and immediately after I said that, the wild started surging, and all of a sudden uh, they're winning hockey games and they're they're playing pretty well. Uh, pretty consistently. I mean, as of this recording, I mean, the last couple games have not been their greatest, but looking a little bit better. So you're welcome. I think uh, I inspired. What are they at? What's the, what are they at in the standings? Like, I mean, I haven't been looking, following closely. Are they, is it, is playoffs still like a possibility or are they still just playoffs kinda... are definitely a possibility. I mean, it's not like a strong possibility, but uh, you know, they're at the, they're still toward the bottom of the Western conference, but you know, in hockey, hockey standards, they're only, they're 14 and 12, and five, so technically they're fourteen and seventeen, but uh, they're you know when they lose, they lose in overtime, and they have one of the best home records in the NHL right now at seven one and three, which is pretty incredible considering where they were just you know uh, about a month ago when yeah. I was you know you know complaining about the fact that you shouldn't even be watching this team and they should be tanking. Uh, this is a team now that is you know ten points behind the Colorado Avalanche right now uh, in the West Central. Yeah. So something to keep an eye on. Uh, next week we will spend a little bit of time talking about the hot stove and the Minnesota Twins, who have not done as much as I think a lot of us yeah. would have hoped. Uh, a lot the of the, uh, the Timberwolves also cannot play a lick of defense. Me and you would be better on defense than some of those players right now. Because I remember the, the the thing with the Timberwolves last year was that um, oh, once they get Robert Covington back, uh, once they have Ryan Saunders for philosophies, they'll be fine on defense. And they have been worse. Yeah, they and are Rocco not fine has been on bad on defense. So it is, it's a mess. It's yeah. a mess. It's uh, it's beginning to look like it's going to be another tough season for the Wolves um, after you know a hot start. So we will cover uh, some other Minnesota sports on next week's episode. But as far as this one is concerned, episode 33 is in the books. Uh, thanks, as always, for listening. You can watch us on YouTube if you'd like. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes if you haven't already. Uh, leave a review, five-star rating if you want. All that is you know helpful for us in terms of visibility um, on those podcasting platforms. Uh, we're available on Daily Norseman, as always. You can use that comment section. We like to read that and respond there as well. You can find us on Twitter at Unbelievable underscore MN. And I think that's all I got for you. So, uh, Skull Vikings, and hopefully uh, when we talk to you next, we'll be talking about a Minnesota Vikings victory on the road against the Los Angeles Chargers. Thanks, folks. Thanks, folks.